Hello there luminous beings and welcome to another episode of The Force Nexus, a Star Wars podcast where we talk the light side, the dark side and everything else in between from that galaxy far far away. I hope you are all doing well as you join me on today's episode where I'll be going over the final day in 30 days of Star Wars which started off as a countdown, a celebratory countdown to the launch of Rise of Skywalker. Now if you've been following the show up until that point, here's a bit of a rundown of what happened. I went to the uh, Star Wars sequel marathon um, over here for the launch of Rise of Skywalker and I watched I watched nine hours of Star Wars and including the the Rise of Skywalker and then when I got uh, when I got home I was so tired absolutely so tired but to put on top of that at the time my girlfriend who I went to go see the film with was really ill with a case of viral tonsillitis in my tired Star Wars fatigued body I seem to have caught that uh, viral tonsillitis which meant I was ill for over Christmas and New Year and I was only recently starting to pick myself back up again and felt like the force was with me so I could discuss this movie with you guys on this podcast. And that's going to be the top topic for today really. Uh, the initial kind of responses and reactions I had to see in this film uh, because of the holidays and the illness I haven't been able to see the film again a second time so these are still kind of fresh uh, first initial kind of takes from from the film. What I'll be doing is first a kind of non-spoiler kind of overview, like blanket statements, because I can't really get too too deep into the film without spoiling it. So um, we'll have a brief little discussion about that, and then I'll move over into the spoiler territory uh, for the rest of the podcast. Uh, we'll be touching on some very big kind of thoughts that the film left us with, I guess you could say. Uh, but then also uh, stick around because at the very end of the episode I'll be talking about what's coming for the rest of uh, the year as I move forward with the Force Nexus in both podcasting and the YouTube scene. So first non-spoiler review, then spoiler review, and then a bit of what's to come for the future of, of this podcast. Just before I get into the review though of the film, I want you to know that these are just my first impressions, like I've said, and they are exactly that. They are just mine. I know that these uh, this film landed loads of different ways with different people, um, you know, kind of depending on their personal journey through life, since this is the kind of, uh, these are the kind of topics that Star Wars likes to tackle and kind of, sh you know, show different perspectives on. I know that different people have different feelings about this film. This is just from my own perspective, and I'll respect the perspective of anybody else who disagrees with me. But if you do disagree with me, then I just hope that you at least enjoyed listening to somebody else discuss their love of this film. Because really, getting into the non-spoiler review here, I did really love this film. I had a lot of fun with this. I found myself... Um, welling up emotionally, you know, some tears in my eyes. I found myself fist pumping to the detriment of my girlfriend, whose hand I was holding, and would I hit her elbow twice in my excitement. <laughs> but yeah, that's the kind of fun I had with this film. It kind of got me excited. It got me kind of buzzed a little bit, and it was really kind of like action-packed, uh, very fun, very fast, very fast-paced. Um, it was kind of like JJ ran through a theme park with me. 
that told the story of episode 9 and kept shouting and pointing, Look at that! Oh, now we're here! That was cool, right? Look at that! Now look, look over here! Okay, now let's go look at the next thing. There was so much going on, but that also feeds into a bit of a criticism I had for this film. Even though there is a lot of stuff in here, and it gets into some kind of weird stuff, really. If you've listened to this podcast, you'll know I'm a fan of weird stuff in Star Wars. So, it, with all this stuff that's going on, it's like an awesome kind of like Star Wars soup. But you just get little tastes of these flavours. So, what it kind of does in the film is that we'll spend a little bit of time here, but because the plot needs to be pushed further along, we need to go to the next thing. And like I say, it kind of just left me going, I wanted to spend a bit more time here because that was really cool. Uh, now, like I say, it's a bit of a criticism. Really, to me, I don't even see it as that big of a detriment to the film on the grand scheme of things because I still really enjoyed it. But it's more of a nitpick. And here's another reason why it's a bit of a nitpick more than like an actual criticism. And that's because I know, and they'll be foolish not to, I know that Disney at some point are going to start filling in these gaps in the books, in the comics, maybe in a TV series, stuff like that. And because I enjoy reading and listening to this kind of stuff in my spare time outside of the movies, I know that when that comes, I'm going to really enjoy it. To kind of quote my tweet on Twitter that I put out maybe a week after I saw the film, we never saw the 10 years in between... Episode 1 and Episode 2 in the prequels, with Anakin growing up and being a Jedi. We never saw what happened in the Clone Wars between Episode 2 and 3 until maybe, what, five years later after the film came out? And we never, well, I never saw it because I wasn't alive, but back in the day when the original trilogy came out, you never saw what happened in between the films. Sure, you got like you know, maybe books or something that kind of sprinkled stuff in there, but you only had the films. Us as Star Wars fans have had to wait for the filling in of the gaps, so to speak, like like it's tradition. A new film will come out, and then we go back, and then we discover what happened in these large stories. It took me a little bit of um, a little bit of thinking to get to that conclusion, but I'm really excited now, really, for what's coming in 2020, especially the novel for Rise of Skywalker. Because, again, like, even through the movie, I was thinking, this is cool, I don't get to see it that much, but I do think that this will be a moment more kind of explained in the novel. To bring it back to the actual film itself, it does act as a decent sequel to The Last Jedi. There are themes carried over and some kind of themes resolved uh, that we see taking place in The Last Jedi. You may have heard on the internet, on Twitter, on YouTube or something, that this is a big middle finger to Ryan Johnson and what he did in episode 8. And again, without going into spoilers, I, I can tell you it is not. Um, because it's obviously the finale of the story. Abrams takes uh, those stories from these characters that we have, their, their situations that they were in in episode 8, and resolves them in what I think is a really nice way. Although what I will say, again, is another one of my criticisms, is that it is very evident that there was no through plan for this trilogy. Personally, it didn't put a detriment on my experience, because I knew that going in, uh, Lucasfilm were kind of open about this, really, saying, 
JJ, you do the first. Um, Ryan Johnson, you do the second. Oh, Colin Trevorrow, do the third. Oh, you can't do it? We'll get JJ back in to kind of finish that off. I'm not here to get into a discussion about the behind the scenes specifically, but it is apparent. Uh, I think he did a good job in all, but it is very apparent that there's no through plan. But really, in conclusion, it doesn't really matter to me on the grand scheme of things. I can say, I wanted to see this here, uh, and I, we didn't get it. Or I can say, I saw this here, and I really liked it. Uh, at the end of the day, I really enjoyed this film. In conclusion, great fun. Asked you to fill in some gap, uh, gaps in the film, but that's kind of part of the fun. Leaves a lot of space for kind of extended universe material. And there are a lot of deep things here uh, that can sway opinions uh, based on what you've been through. And to me, that is a bit of fun as well. But I think those points in the film are best saved until the spoiler chat. So let's get straight into it with uh, the spoiler review of The Rise of Skywalker. Now, obviously, if you've not seen the film, then please turn this off. I thank you very much for listening up until now. If you'd like to know what's going on in the future of The Force Nexus, you can skip to the end. Um, there'll be like maybe about five five minutes or so at the end where I'll be discussing that. Um, so please, if you've not seen it, stay spoiler-free if you want to, and thank you so much for listening. But like I said in the non-spoiler review, Star Wars gets weird. Ancient Sith, questions about the Force, further developing abilities in the Force with like the whole Force object moving kind of thing, like behind the back, transferring objects through the Force, that was pretty cool. Uh, the Force Ghost Mind Party, I'm calling it, um, kind of inspiring and empowering way, uh, Ray. I really love that. It's the kind of, the Force is the kind of stuff that I really enjoy in Star Wars. Learning about it, the different ways it's used, um, what it can mean for the light side and the dark side in motivations and emotions, you know, evil and good. I love that kind of stuff. And to see that we were going to kind of the ancient Sith level of, you know, a proper like old school Sith alchemy extending life for Palpatine because he's suddenly back. They were the kind of points that I really wanted to kind of dwell on a bit longer in the film. Um, again, it's a bit two-bladed sword for me is the beginning of this film because uh, of that intro kind of sequence. We get Kylo going off collecting the Wayfinder going to Mustafar, uh, so we assume, or I think it's confirmed in a visual dictionary, that he went to Darth Vader's castle to get that Wayfinder, and then taking it to Exegol, which turns out to be a Sith planet, down into the tombs to see Palpatine with the statues and all the eeriness. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But we breezed through it a little bit. I was like, ah, let's stay here. Let's stay here for a little bit and let's play in this. Let's get some um, kind of juicy information. Uh, but, you know, we got what we got. Again, like I said in the non-spoiler review, that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for, especially in the Rise of Skywalker novel. Uh, I'd like to hear maybe, not exposition, but Palpatine kind of talking to Ben a bit more. Kylo at this point, apologies, that's later. Uh, talking to Kylo at this point, giving him a bit more kind of understanding on what's actually going on. Like, for example, did he actually, Palpatine that is, did Palpatine actually finish his quest for finding the power to stop death, like he alluded to in 
Revenge of the Sith. You know, the, the, the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise. Is this film kind of tying all that together? Did he come full circle on that? Again, another thing I'm really excited to... Uh, we might not even get it in the novel, but I'm excited to at least... Like, not hope, but kind of anticipate something for that. If that makes sense. I'm not going to be disheartened if it's not Plagueis, but... It's that like, what if, what if, what if? It keeps me thinking, it keeps me kind of, you know, speculating about it all, which is a lot of fun. Also, the little addition of Mustafar, I know I mentioned this in the whole montage kind of section, but the fact that we see Mustafar in such a different state as well is really interesting. Because that is Mustafar with this, it looks like snow or ash uh, with the trees and stuff, but that is indeed the volcanic planet from episode three. We learned that um, in the Vader Immortal VR game, which takes place uh, back in the past, I think it's in between three, episode 3 and 4, that, I won't spoil it, but the planet starts regrowing, uh, bringing all its uh, flora back. And when we see it in The Rise of Skywalker, that's the planet slowly starting to grow back again. So I, I really like that. I really love that little cool little tidbit. But all in all... This film has a massive kind of dark side presence to it. And again, if you've listened to my shows about Bane and all the other kind of dark side figures that I've talked about in this podcast, uh, you'll know that dark side kind of hits a nice kind of juicy spot with me. Another thing I really loved about this film is that we finally see the entire crew back together on their adventures with Ray, Finn, Poe, BB-8, Chewie, all of them really reminded me of uh, the original trilogy with all them, you know, Luke, Leia, Han, 3PO, Chewie as well, uh, going off on their adventures. It was really fun to see. And the great chemistry that they all have between themselves, like, I loved it. It, it was like a load of friends going off. There was a bit of bickering. There was jabs being, you know, thrown around, uh, jokes and stuff. Like when Poe lands uh, the Falcon and Ray meets him with BB-8, and there's the whole, what have you done to my ship? What have you done to my droid? After hypers hyperspace skipping and the training sequences, that was funny. That was really good. Um, but as well, the tension between Ray and Poe was also really, really cool. Um, it gave it a bit of a comedic effect uh, through the film when they were together. And what I mean is that it's the uh, point of view of the Force in the kind of eyes of non-force users in a situation like this. Because Ray's all like, oh, I need to go off here and do this force thing because the force needs me to do it. I need to go speak to Leia. I need to do X, Y, and Z for the force. And Poe, who doesn't have the force, he doesn't understand it in that way, who's trying to fight a war, is all like, are you freffing kidding me? Like, we need you. We need your powers. We need your lightsaber. We need you on our sides so we can fight. And Leia's like, no, I've got to go do some spiritual thing. Bye. <laughs> I love the frustration between between that from Poe's side because he just doesn't understand it that much. That, you know, you kind of want to go, you kind of want to like pat him on the shoulder and be like, look, Poe, don't worry, bro. Like, she's got this. This needs to be done. You just hang in there. Now let's talk a little bit about Finn, because Finn kind of ties into this conversation of the Force-sensitive versus non-Force-sensitive. 
in the Battle of Exegol, when him and Janna are stood on top of the Star Destroyer, and apologies, because I will be jumping up and down the timeline of this film, um, they're trying to figure out a way to blow up the main capital ship. Or, no, stop the signal, sorry, from going off and dooming the galaxy. He kind of looks at the command ship and goes, that's the one we need to destroy. I've just got a feeling, but that's it. And initially, when I first heard that, I was like, really, Finn? A feeling? Like, is this what we're doing? You're just going to guess, and that's going to be the right answer? But I'll admit, it was a bit of a cynical thought on my part to begin with. Um, I let it sit with me. I didn't rage about it or anything. I was just like, right, we did it, and that's what we're left with. A day later, I find out that J.J. Abrams had indeed confirmed that what Finn was going to tell Ray in the quicksand scene was that he was actually Force-sensitive. And then, like a slap on the forehead, I said, of course, it makes so much sense. In the sequel trilogy era, you know, it seems like there's, uh, you know, little upsprings of Force-sensitive children across the galaxy. So it would make sense on a base level that, you know, the First Order would seem to abduct one of them and... You know, it just so happened that one of their trainees was Force-sensitive, which gives credence to why he left the Stormtroopers to begin with. And then obviously follows into this whole connection with Rey. He's not in love with Rey. He feels that pull of the Force to Rey. Like, there's that similar connection, that bond, kind of similar to between him and... Sorry, between Rey and Kylo Ren, why they feel a bit connected as well. So it makes perfect sense to me now, hearing that, um, that, you know, uh, Finn had this feeling that it was that station, it was that ship to blow up. It was the Force telling him that's their target, that's their way of survival. Again, back into my criticism about there being way too much in the film, I do think that that little bit um, could have done with being thrown in, but, you know, you make cuts where you need to. It is what it is. It also kind of explains why uh, Poe got a little bit kind of uppity at Finn because Finn couldn't tell Poe what's going on. Again, initially I thought it was a little bit like, is he really like in love with her? I don't think he is, but is he? Is that why he can't tell Poe? Because Poe might get hella jealous? No, it was because that Finn was force sensitive and Poe at the moment raging about the fact that he thinks Ray's kind of wasting her time on like force stuff. There's no way that Finn's going to tell Poe that no way. There's no way that, like, that'll cause a bit of a divide between the whole group. So I kind of like that little touch that he wanted to keep it secret. But as well as this, before I move on to the next point, it got me thinking. Because Finn meets Jana, uh, Jana, i got to stop saying it that way, Jana, and she explains that there are more sto uh, Stormtrooper deserters uh, with, with her group. Uh, was it the 77th Legion or something like that? And Again, that got me thinking, like, if Finn's just this one example of a stormtrooper who's defected, and he is Force-sensitive, does this mean that, like, is it a Force-sensitive exclusive thing, where all the Force-sensitive children heard the pull of the Force and went, oh, I can't be doing this, i got to leave? Or was ja uh, Janna also Force-sensitive and then led her troops out in, like, a kind of you know, symbol of leadership. Um, it really got me thinking about more possibilities of these four sensitives that we've never discovered. 
Could it lead to maybe Finn training himself down the way? Bit of kind of like Cal Katarn in Legends? Maybe, maybe. Again, a lot of stuff to get into in the expanded universe uh, stuff with the books and the comics. Okay, next point. Ben Solo is one of my favourite Jedi I have seen in the, in the films, and he's only been in about 20 minutes of the entire franchise. Kylo's being the villain, Ben the redeemed Jedi, shedding his skin of Kylo Ren. It was awesome. I really, really enjoyed that, because I, again, I had so much fun with this part of the film. Sure, how we get there, you might like it or you might dislike it, but just seeing him uh, head back down into the tomb to find Rey, um, I love his little, like, as he jumps down into the hole where the elevator was, uh, he has to jump down because the floor's not there anymore, and he kind of hits the floor, like, oof, but it gives, like, a little laugh, like, a little smile, like, oh, worth it. I love that, like, Adam Driver's kind of, like, charisma just kind of oozed in that moment. And again, like we've seen going around on Twitter, the shrug and the lightsaber. I mean, it was just like watching Han Solo fighting as a Jedi. The kind of suave, like, well, look. Like, because he says it to the Knights of Ren, right? The Knights of Ren are in front of him, and they're ready to kind of, like, go for him. And he's just like, shrug sorry guys like this is me now like I've switched teams and now I've got to kill you <laughs> like it was it was so much fun to watch will we get more of him in like say like a prequel series to um this sequel trilogy that's a weird sentence to say uh, you know see a bit of younger Ben Solo you know played by Adam Driver again can we see that maybe do I want to definitely Am I going to be upset if we don't? Absolutely not, because we've got this scene and it was so memorable for me. But again, like talking on this scene a bit, I mentioned the Knights of Ren. The Knights of who? The Knights of look around and look cool? Because that's all they did in this film. The Knights of Ren are actually a bit of a disappointment for me in this entire sequel trilogy. I know that they got a little bit of love in the previous years in the comic books, I know that they're currently getting a little bit of love in the comic books as well with the new line coming out. But really for me it's not enough. I I don't I don't feel the need or the desire to look into it and maybe that's fine. Maybe I don't need to proper dive into everything that there is in Star Wars. Maybe it's healthy that there's something I don't really like. But I think it was a bit of a wasted um kind of opportunity to put them in. Uh, again, I feel like it was something that, uh, because of a, a result of not a thorough through plan, I believe, or I like to think uh, anyway, that it was something that JJ brought in for episode 7. Something that Ryan, and within his own right, uh, something that he didn't continue in episode 8, but then something that JJ felt like needed to be there again in episode 9. Uh, so we couldn't really do much with it. Again, a shame. I'm fine with it. Uh, the, the Knights of Stand Around and Looking Cool is perfectly okay with me. It's a bit of a... Sometimes we've always got to make fun of Star Wars. So that's my new addition to making fun of Star Wars. The Knights of Ren. <laughs> Moving down my notes here, the next kind of point I want to talk about is the lightsaber fight in this film. Uh, specifically the one with Kylo and Rey when they're fighting on the wreckage of the Death Star. 
I love how these fights in the sequel trilogies haven't been used so much in the same way as the prequel fights. And don't get me wrong, I love them prequel fights. The fight against Darth Maul, uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, and then Obi-Wan and Anakin are some of the best lightsaber fights I've ever seen. But I love them in the sequel trilogy because they use more as emotional tools and representations of the characters that are in them. So, for example, in this fight with Kylo and Rey, we've got uh, the water around them crashing around to kind of emulate the tempest of emotions inside of them. They've both got such conflict. Uh, Rey with the light side and the dark side, she's been pulled towards the dark and she's trying to resist it. And then there's Kylo uh, with the uh, being so submerged in the dark side, but also feeling that pull to the light uh, from Rey as he as she's trying to turn him. Uh, like I say, the, the water around them just thrashing about really highlights the kind of internal conflict that both of these characters have. Um, we, we progress through it as they're hacking and slashing away at each other. Of course, we get our token Finn shouting Ray. <laughs> if I had a pound for every time I've heard Finn shout Ray, I would be a very wealthy man. But then we move on to something a bit more emotionally concrete. And it's when Ray grabs hold of Kylo's saber, that red crimson blade uh, that she fears in a way, and plunges it into Kylo's chest, into his stomach, sorry, stabbing him. But it is at that moment that Leia decides to reach out with the Force in a move that would kill her. Very, very reminiscent to what uh, Luke did for Kylo in Episode 8. It's at that moment that Rey realize, realizes what Leia is trying to do. She feels her through the Force. And then all of a sudden, this what I assume is just this massive wave of guilt kind of floods over Rey where she goes... Leia and realizes at that point that that is the point where she's trying to reach out to her son and bring her to the light while Rey is pretty much condemning him by stabbing him in in the stomach essentially almost putting him on the brink of death I love that because if Leia had not have done that what could have happened could Rey have just gone full dark side and finished the job was Leia the actual switch in her head that brought her back to the light to prevent any more bloodshed? I love that, and it's like I say, it's it, it kind of it kind of tips Rey over because Rey explains to Kylo why he never went with her, why she, why she never went with him. Sorry, because he she wanted to take his hand, just not Kylo's hand, just Ben's hand, and I think this kind of hits home a little bit for Kylo at the time because that's the same moment that his mum comes back to him and I've been saying to my friends like I've been talking to them about it everybody again it's a broad statement but for the most part everybody loves their mum and I think him hearing his mum kind of enter his subconsciousness through the force was was exactly that uh, it was a mother's kind of touch a mother's uh, recognition that you're not completely lost you know I think Ray feels that, and that's where Ray kind of starts panicking, um, and kind of realizes that she's going far, further deeper into the dark side because of that symbol of what a mother means to to their children. So again, I I do think it's um, just Leia's way of representing 
herself and guiding uh bent to the light side which is why i don't which is my kind of way of processing the fact that leia's body disappears at the end and not in this moment now again just like that point then um it's a very real point and it's a point that i think uh, loads of different people might have different opinions on uh which brings me back to my disclaimer that if you don't agree with what i'm saying on this last point or these couple of points yet to come then that's perfectly fine i understand that uh, everybody has their own journey through life. My journey might be completely different to your journey, but the fun in this is that we get to kind of compare and contrast our journeys against what we see and how we interpret what we see on the screen, what what they mean to us and how they speak to us and, you know, what kind of emotions they bring out. Uh, again, it's a lot of fun to kind of get into stuff like that. So if you if you don't agree with me on these or if you do agree agree with me on these, tell me. I'd love to have a discussion about it. But on that point, the next one I'm going to talk about is ooh, the Han Solo and Kylo slash Ben moment. And for me, because I brought up the topic of personal journeys, this this hit me. This hit me hard. And it's because it's the representation. It's the same thing that hits me hard in Return of the Jedi. It's the son reaching out to the father, the father acknowledging that, and then the father meeting it in kind. Because, personally speaking, I have a, I still I'm still lucky enough to have my father around, um, I, both in the physical world and in my household. My parents are still together, um, but he's also he's always been very focused on providing for the family. Uh, which is uh, a massive, a massive positive for my father, but he, uh, we never really see eye to eye emotionally on stuff like that. Up until very recently, where we had a proper sit down and a proper talk, and uh, put our differences aside to discuss on, you know, where we could take our relationship forward. Now that's a very, a very kind of strong point in my life that happened very recently. And I find it really nice that this film came out uh, to kind of show um, Kylo uh, kind of come through and start imagining his father. Because it wasn't through the Force. It wasn't through the Force that this happened. Um, Han Solo approached him in his mind. Uh, you know, it was it was, it was was Ben uh, slash Kylo thinking about how his father would kind of accept him at the moment. The con- How the conversation would would pan out and again i think that's a thought that spurred from leia guiding him and we see we see it's like a a, it's like a duplicate of han's death scene um it's kind of like what if that conversation was played out differently like kylo going back and retreading his steps he says the same line he says i know what i need to do i just don't know if i've got the strength to do it and uh it's Han's response in this is perfect. He instead of instead of trying to hammer home the fact that this isn't him, that this isn't my son, that you know you're not the person who I love, who I care about. Instead of going the way it did in Episode Seven, where he's trying to explain to Kylo that this isn't the person he's meant to be, he takes the other approach. He takes the approach of love. Like it looks like Kylo's about to say "I love you," and 
Han doesn't even let that happen. He just says, I know. And, ah, it's kind of making me well up a little bit now because when you're in a situation with somebody that you feel so closely uh, kind of linked to, but you also feel like there's a massive hole in between the two of you, that's the kind of stuff you... Sorry, I'm speaking generally, but for me, that's the kind of stuff that I would like to hear. It's that, you know, that understanding, that uh, recognition that you might have done stuff in your life in the past that uh, your parents aren't proud of or that you're you're not proud of and you can't shake the shame of that. But that's what you need to hear. You need to hear that that person, no matter how big the hole is, does still love you, you know, does still have hope that you are capable of uh, coming back to the light and, uh, you know, embracing life the way that you used to. Again, all of that is to say that I really, really loved this scene and really left me with kind of an uh, emotional uplifting in a way, uh, kind of as if the film saying, you're not alone in this. There's lots of other people who go through stuff like this, uh, but this is one way to look at it and this is one way to be hopeful about a situation like that. So before we move on to the last major kind of thing that I walked away from uh, on my mind from episode 9, uh, let's talk about some of the smaller things in the film, have a bit of fun with them. Firstly, how can I not mention this guy? Bobu Frick is the most adorable little piece of work I have ever seen in a Star Wars film. I love how he's this really tiny kind of really, really clever engineer, but He's got his own kind of like central atmosphere. It's like he, he lives in his own little bubble and, you know, he just kind of operates in his own humorous world. It doesn't matter what's going on, whether they're all flying into Exegol to, you know, attack the Emperor's fleet or whether they're in a really emotional scene with 3PO. He's always like, ha ha! <laughs> it's great. He's just having such a fun time. And on about that, the 3PO mind wipe, it was ah, oh, it was kind of 50-50 for me. And this is kind of behind the scenes reasoning here. It's nothing to do with the film, because actually in the context of the film, it was really touching to see 3PO kind of have his mind wiped, having to accept the fact that he's going to essentially die and not see any of his friends again. But that, that moment kind of hit a little bit flat for me. Because we saw it so much in the trailer. Uh, you know, the trailers that came out for the film. Leading up to the release of episode 9, I was all like, I feel like I've seen way too much. And that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of proved true in a scene like the 3PO scene. Because where I was feeling a little bit sad, I was like, I've seen this. Like, I know this was coming. I was prepared for it. Um, but it is, it's also still a little bit undercut as well. Uh, towards the end of the film because he obviously gets his full memory back again uh, like he's exactly the same as he was at the beginning of the film which again 50-50 that's really nice that we don't actually lose 3PO and he's still around but it also kind of took away that moment where he does lose it um, it kind of takes away a few things that you could play around with after this film as well so you know it was alright he was still hilarious 3PO is actually really funny in this film, especially when he's got no mind. Because he's like, is this what you guys do like every day? This is horrific. Whereas that was his life. That's what he used to do every day. I found that really amusing. 
Also, on about droids, Dio is my spirit droid. The fact that he has such respect for his personal space is amazing. You know, and his wishes as well. He'll be kind to you. He'll op greet you with, I won't say open arms, because figuratively and literally, that's not what he's about. But with an open mind. And, but you know, if you start coming a bit too close or you start getting all up in his space, he's going to be like, whoa, back, back the beep off, right? <laughs> Another awesome part, another fist-pumping part for me, was Hooks turning spy. I loved that initial reveal. I was like, yeah, go on, Hooks. Like, come on, like, defect. Because it really kind of reminded me of Agent Callus from the Star Wars Rebels arc. I, I was like, yes, we're gonna get, we're gonna get Hooks in. He's gonna help us. He's gonna stick it to the First Order. No. Oh well, he's going to get one shot by Allegiant General Pride and we're never going to see him again. I was like, ah, alright, that's a shame. I feel like I've wasted a fist bump. <laughs> but that's okay. But that's fine. He did seem a bit kind of... People thought he was very whiny in Episode 7 and especially Episode 8. And he did kind of seem a little bit like somebody who we needed to get rid of. I was fine with it. It was a little bit funny. I, the next point on my notes is just one word in capital letters, and that is Wedge. Ah, oh, seeing Wedge again like that was an extra dose of excitement for me, um, because of, you know, I, I always wanted to see him in Episode 7, um, see him come back, uh, join the Resistance, get in that fight, but we didn't, he wasn't there. It took me a couple more years after that to actually learn that he'd gone through a lot of stuff, uh, you know, for the resistance, he'd been tortured, he'd been taken hostage, you know, and he, he tried to live his life the most comfortably he could after that. That's all in the Aftermath trilogy. So when you kind of, I mean, there's also the real life situation behind it where I think Dennis Lawson may have rejected to come back or something like that. But it's really cool after reading about him to then see him come back because you see him, he's aged a bit. He's got on the you know, the mature hair colouring going on, not to be rude. It was really cool to see him knowing that he tried living a really comfortable life and then knowing that he just couldn't kind of, he, he couldn't sit on the call of duty. You know, Lando put out the bulletin and he was like, no, the galaxy needs me. The galaxy needs Wedge Antilles that flew beside Luke Skywalker and took down the Death Star. That's what the galaxy needs. And that was so exciting for me to see. It was just a two-second shot. Just a two-second shot, but my heart felt full. I was like, yes, let's do it, Wedge. Uh, also, he was in my video for the kind of like little small predictions that I wanted to see. So that was really cool to see that kind of pay off a little bit uh, after making that episode. That was pretty neat. No Colossus. There was no, from what I could see anyway, um, loads of people were really kind of dead set on the fact that we would see the massive ship from Star Wars Resistance at the Battle of Exegol. And I couldn't. I couldn't see it. Uh, I don't know if it actually is there, but from what I could see, sad face, it wasn't there. But for me, the saddest of faces, when my boy, Snap, I mean, right, <laughs> take a breath, take a breath. I was really excited to see Snap in this in this film. Again, if you've listened to the, the podcast episode about what I'd like to see in episode 9, this Snap, I was really excited for Snap. 
I was like, it's JJ again, so and we're going out on the last one, the Big Bang. Let's have Poe, uh, sorry, let's have Snap do a bit more with Poe, get involved. Uh, really, he stayed on a planet, and then the moment we see him in his cockpit, he, man, he died. He went out, he crashed down, and oh man, um, I'm not pointing, I'm not pointing at it, I'm not throwing, like, they shouldn't have done this, they shouldn't have done that, we got what we got, but man, I really wanted to see a bit more of Snap, I think I was, uh, well, and, and it's not surprising, really, I was the only one in the theatre to kind of, to kind of exclaim and go, no, not Snap, and, you know, legit tears, I was really upset that he was gone, but, you know, what I had of him, I really did enjoy, uh, just really wanted to see a bit more. There's a lot of them in the books, uh, especially Resistance Reborn. So I might have to give that a listen to again. And oh, and of course, the Aftermath trilogy. That's where I learned about Snap in the first place. So yeah, I might just have to revisit them again and get my uh, my, my my second fix of Snap. And for the final little point before we move on to the big kind of main uh, first impression I got from this film, I just want to talk about Jonas Swatomo for a little bit. Um, the, the the man who plays Chewbacca in the suit, he continues to surprise me in so many ways. Every time I see him in a Star Wars film, from The Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Solo, and now in Episode Nine, he is such a great, great kind of portrayal of Chewbacca, obviously learning from the great Peter Mayhew. In this film, he finds out the news of Leia and... He, his reaction just rips me apart. We don't focus on it, but you see him, he receives the news, and you see him kind of like in a panning kind of zoom out of shot, just hit the deck. His knees buckle, he flies straight to the floor, and in his emotional wookie rage, he's just pounding the ground, and it really just oozes this, this heartbreak of everybody he's 250 years old everybody he's grown close to that he knows from the age of the rebellion has just died he's like the last survivor uh, not counting lando he is the last survivor of 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 the main team all of his friends have died in this conflict and just his reaction the pain that you feel in his emotional breakdown is just so genuine it's on point, it gives me chills and is kind of welling me up a little bit now. Uh, it just to just to just stay on that emotion just a little bit, just for the briefest of moments, is just really really nice. It's perfection, and the fact that he gets a medal at, uh, as well at the end is uh, really nice as well. It's I don't see it as contradictory because uh, Maz says that you know you you get a medal. Chewie got his medal in the comic books. But I believe that this is instead Han's medal that Leia kept hold of uh, whilst she was, you know, committing herself to becoming one with the Force. Again, extremely beautiful. It's this little token, this little memento uh, that Chewie gets to keep, uh, along with his own medal um, of, you know, the past friendships he's had with Leia and with Han, with it being Han's medal, that connection to Leia. Um, you know, it really paints that impression. It really kind of hammers home that emotional connection. And now he's got, a, again, a bit of poetry. He's got two medals. He's got his own and he's got Hans. 
kind of it kind of very parallel against the notion that all Chewbacca needed was Han, and all Han really needed in the first place was Chewbacca. Like that's how they started, and that kind of uh, leaving the two medals with each other is really symbolic of that. Again, beautiful. Mwah. But the last main big thing of the Rise of Skywalker is indeed Ray Palpatine and Ray Skywalker. My lord, <laughs> when my extreme very first initial was kind of, I didn't know what to think. I was like, the impression that we got from The Last Jedi was extremely powerful because The Last Jedi told us that you don't need to know where you came from to know your destiny. You, you forge your own destiny and it is the actions that you take uh, along that journey to your destiny uh, that defines it, you know, essentially. You make your own destiny, not you don't inherit your own destiny. And then we get Ray Palpatine, that's thrown into the mix. And to me, um, that doesn't undermine that message from The Last Jedi. Uh, again, I, I should have said this straight off uh, at the beginning, but if you disagree with me on this, I am very, very, very open to hearing why, and I would love to discuss why. Because, like I said, this, because of our own different personal journeys, this moment will mean different things to different people. As I mentioned with the uh, Han and Kylo Ren and Ben Solo scenario, um, my family, I'm lucky to still have all my family together. Um, so this doesn't speak to me as powerful uh, as powerfully as it would say somebody who um, has distance from uh, themselves away from their family in an emotional disconnect or something like that. It doesn't speak to me in that way, but I can understand why people would would gravitate to that because it's a really kind of really big message knowing that your past doesn't define you. Uh, again, where the Palpatine part comes into where you know Palpatine is the line lineage of evil. Uh, that might be interpreted to some people as you need to come from evil to to get to the good. That's not the way that I see it, but this is just me kind of spitballing on different perspectives. Uh, the way I see it is that it is Rey looking back on uh, her family, where she's come from, um, and understanding that what they believe, or what Palpatine believed anyway, uh, given that they're from the same blood, is not what she believes. Um, you know, she can make the change to to take herself in a different step, uh, especially with the name. Now, the name, I think, plays a very big part in this because, um, say, again, I, I'm not speaking from experience. This is just how I perceive it. But when you are uh, adopted, if you have, uh, the way I see it is that if you were to have, or a better way to me to say it was like if I was in that situation where I disagreed so much with uh kind of the thought processes and the lineage, lineage that came before me, I would want to distance myself away from that name because it's that name that holds that lineage. With Palpatine, Palpatine is a name that's related strongly to evil. So it makes sense to me that Rey would want to understand where she came from, understand that this, that this evil is in her, but choose to distance herself from it. Hence why she takes up the name Ray Skywalker, because again, the way that I perceive it is, say, if I was adopted and I valued my new family's principles and legacy a lot more than I valued um, 
my my, my lineage uh, because of the extreme differences, I would be more inclined and I would feel more true to myself if I was to pick a name um, from a lineage, from a family that, you know, whose motives and whose emotions were more in line with mine. So Ray Skywalker makes a lot of sense to me. I think it still has the same kind of impact that it would have if Ray didn't have a name, because Ray is still walking away from the evil that is Palpatine, the evil that was in her blood. And like I say, again, at the risk of repeating myself, she's taken the step to change that. She's just chosen to carry that forward into a different name and further kind of represent the goodwill in the galaxy that the Skywalker name brings. Again, though, you, you know, like I said, I'm very privileged. I haven't lost my family. Um, I, I, I feel for anybody who, who struggles with that. Um, I do because it, it seems like a very, a very heavy topic. But that is just the way that I perceive it. Again, if you have different thoughts, please let me know. Uh, I'd love to have a chat about it. And uh, again, kind of enjoy the kind of feeling where we can discuss this kind of stuff um, with an open mind and kind of, you know, find find happiness in, in the stuff that we love so much. So, wow, I've been speaking for almost an hour now. Uh, I'll be honest, I apologise if some of it sounds like rambling. I'm not exactly a movie reviewer, I'm just a Star Wars enthusiast, so I just love talking about the stuff that I like, and I like seeing the light in the stuff that I dislike. In conclusion, yeah, I had such a great time. It blew the doors off some of the stuff canonically that we found, uh, you know, with, with the Force, like I said, with the dark side kind of how we see uh, the Jedi in a way. It kind of twisted around the Jedi mythology a little bit, but that's because of how we've kind of gone through the sequel journey as well. So lore-wise, it's left a lot of doors open for us to explore. It was a lot of fun. It had a lot of feels in it. Um, again, there are points where people will strongly disagree or strongly agree, or maybe they don't know uh, where they land on certain points of this film. Uh, but again, to me, it's part of the fun, it's part of self-discovery, uh, if you feel that closely linked to a film like this. And, you know, it's really fun to just kind of explore these themes. Again, in conclusion, great film, I loved it, and really I'm excited to see where the expanded uh, material, like the books and the comics, takes, uh, takes this uh, story in the future. But speaking of future, let's move on to, well... What's the, what's the Force Nexus going to be like in 2020? Now that I've done 30 days, albeit this last episode is very late, now that I've done 30 days of Star Wars, it's now time to look onto a, a kind of new adventure. And this is where I really want to start having a lot of fun. Because uh, I've really I've really been enjoying this this podcast kind of project uh, leading up until now. It's been, it's been awesome to kind of play around with uh, audio editing and... Uh, you know, like making actual episodes, producing them, and you know, actually just kind of putting my thoughts to uh, to to a voice, you know, for the first time like this on such a broad scale. Um, but I'm also a very visually creative person. I like making things look cool. So, what I'd like to do is this: um, I'm going to publish this episode, and then from uh, from the moment I finish publishing it, I'm going to start working on. A set of YouTube videos where I will start to dive into the more finer aspects of the galaxy 
for example, I've had um, I've had two people who listen to the show. To uh, one's my girlfriend, another one is a very close friend of mine, and they want to learn about the different lightsaber crystals and different types of the Force. You know, different kind of smaller aspects of the galaxy like that, the light side, the dark side, the Daphimerian magic that I mentioned in the episode about the species. Stuff like Jedi training techniques and stuff like that, but I want to I want to present it visually uh, so you've got something awesome to watch as well. So that will be the next video. Uh, the first video is about the different lightsaber crystals, where you can find them, what each colors mean, and you know stuff like that, diving into maybe some unknown sabers that we don't know much about either. That will be going up on YouTube. I don't have a date for it because this this is my first one. This is I'll be playing around with some very cool effects, so I need some time to kind of get to grasp, uh, kind of with that. But that will be what's coming on the YouTube side. Now for the podcast side, I, I really enjoy these kind of story formatted episodes. Uh, when I was going through the scenes, uh, my favorite scenes from the films. Uh, I kind of put a bit of a story twist on it where I would read out scenes and kind of um, give it a bit of a twist to make it sound a bit more dramatic or, you know, in my own way. I love that kind of stuff. So I would still like to do some more of that. Now, what kind of form that takes is yet to be decided because I, I, I like a lot of fan fiction. So it might come in a bit of a what if kind of scenario. I've been toying around with some more ideas up here, but still to be decided. But one thing that I really do want to do is release a weekly news show um, where I'll be talking about some of the stories that come out and kind of speculating on where they could go in the future. Uh, you know, stuff like what it means for Star Wars uh, going forward, uh, what I could be excited to see, stuff like that. So I will, I'm planning to release that every Tuesday uh, where we will talk about the news and then maybe... Depending on what we get in the news, I will have a more kind of refined topic based on what we hear through the week. So we'll go news and then go on to like a discussion topic for the rest of the show. And also, um, I would love to take some questions. Like if you listen to the show and maybe I've mentioned something, but you've not, you're not really sure what that is, or I've mentioned something, but you've got a question about how I feel about something or how I feel in contrast to how other people feel about something. No matter what it is, if you've got a question that you'd like to ask me, I would love to take it and maybe dedicate a bit of a segment to answering them uh, so I can have a bit of a discussion to and from with, with you guys who listen. I think that would be great. So uh, that would be at the end of the news segment as well. Uh, after, at the very tail end of the show, uh, we'll do the news, bit of discussion, and then into questions to finish uh, finish the show for that day. Of course, that'll come into the show if I actually get some questions. So you know, the more you send in, if you want to hear that kind of stuff, then the more you can hear of it. Um, but that currently is where I'm standing with the podcast. I'm very excited to start flexing some different creative muscles, giving you something to enjoy with your eyes uh, rather than just your ears, but also giving you something to listen to maybe on the way to work or on the way back from work, or you're doing a really boring, stupid job at work and you need something to kill the time. Um, I'd still love to give you that kind of content. But until then, f thank you so much for listening. I think this is my longest episode so far, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun just spewing uh, my thoughts about this film, uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, once again, I would love to know what you guys think of it. 
Um, if you'd like to let me know, then you can do so at The Force Nexus on Spotify, Twitter, and even Instagram. Feel free to post uh, any questions or comments on the Instagram posts for the shows. Um, uh, whilst you're there, consider giving the pages a follow as well. It really helps uh, kind of boost the show and get it in front of some more eyes. You can find the podcast stream on Spotify, iTunes, Google Playlists, uh, Stitcher, uh, Radio Public, loads of different platforms. If you head over to the Anchor page, uh, the Force Nexus Anchor page, you can see all the listings for uh, the show uh, on that page. If you'd like to follow me personally, you can do so at Jakeosity, J-A-K-O-S-I-T-Y, where I 90% of the time just tweet about Star Wars stuff. I recently did my own little spin on the Ben Solo challenge, so that was a lot of fun. If you want to see somebody just spew even more Star Wars, go follow me on there as well. Also, like I mentioned, more content coming to the YouTube channel, that is The Force Nexus on YouTube. So go ahead and subscribe to see the first video about Kyber Crystals uh, drop on that channel. But again, uh, more than anything, thank you so much for, uh, for listening uh, today to the supersized episode of The Force Nexus. I do hope you can join me next time where we'll start diving into some of the news. Recently, we had some Clone Wars news uh, come out and a little bit of possibly Old Republic, High Republic time periods maybe coming. We'll talk about it next week on the Force Nexus News Show. So until then, you luminous beings, thank you oh so much for listening. And may the Force be with you all, always.